Hi, this is Vicki Lawrence, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Brad Roberts, and welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Calendar year 2019 marks the 80th anniversary of the original theatrical release of Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, the epic-length Oscar-winning motion picture starring Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, and Olivia de Havilland. It was also the inspiration for one of the most, if not the most, famous movie parody sketches on the Carol Burnett Show, that being Went with the Wind. Went with the Wind, the sketch that, as most of you probably know, also contains the longest sustained laugh in television history. On the line with us right now is Rick Hawkins. Rick co-wrote the Went with the Wind sketch along with his writing partner at the time, Liz Sage. Not only did that lead Rick and Liz to staff writing jobs on The Carol Burnett Show during the show's final two years on CBS, it launched for Rick a 30-year career in television as a writer and producer that included an Emmy Award win, seven Emmy Award nominations, and five Writers Guild of America nominations. Rick Hawkins also wrote and produced such popular shows as Punky Brewster, Major Dad, Sister Sister, plus he wrote the original movie of the week that served as the pilot for The Love Boat. Rick also spent three years in Russia in the early 2000s where he adapted such popular American shows as Married with Children and Everybody Loves Raymond to Russian audiences. We'll ask him about that and more in just a sec. But first, Rick Hawkins, welcome to TV Confidential. Thank you, Ed. It's a joy to be here. Rick is joining us via Skype, and he's coming in loud and clear. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I understand that you weren't even on staff at the time. You wrote it on spec. Ed, you are wrong. Okay. We were on staff. Um, we had written a spec family sketch that uh, was sent by our agent to Joe Hamilton, who hired us to do a summer limited series for a comedian uh, stand-up called Kelly Monteith. I remember and that based, show. Based upon our work on that show, Joe hired us on staff for The Carol Burnett Show. And I think that Went With the Wind was the first sketch that we wrote for Carol's show. Okay, well, this this is why I like to have the guest on, because if I get the facts wrong, the guest straightens it out. So. <laughs> I'm sure all of the people that you see and all of the shows that you have, it's impossible to uh, keep all of it straight. You mentioned that your entree to The Burnett Show was the summer show that you worked on. Kelly Monteith. With, with Kelly Monteith. Were you particularly looking, you know, to write for variety television at the time versus other forms? How did that come about? Um, I was always a huge fan of variety TV and the Carol Burnett show in particular. I just connected to the the kind of funny stories and sketches that they told. And, and I had been a huge fan of hers from the Gary Moore show um, in the early, in the mid 50s. And, and a huge fan of her show when when it first came on um, in 66. And again, the great thing about Carol Burnett is that she's one of those performers who can do it all. And I understand that she has great trust in 
her writers. And so she's fearless in that respect that she knows that her writers are going to give her material that will take her in good directions and maybe even challenge her to go places that she hadn't gone before. You know, I could talk for hours about Carol. She is, um, you know, everyone knows her as the comic genius that she is. And definitely that is absolutely true as a performer. Um, but as a human being, she is as remarkable as she is talented. Her generosity of spirit, when, when I started that show, I had no training whatsoever in writing for television. I, I'd only, my only training had been sitting and watching it. <laughs> um, and, and her generosity of spirit and the openness she created in this show, a, a family of creative artists that there was this mutual respect and bond that I think may be unequaled since. Um, there was just a sense of lightness and responsibility and respect for the audience and the show. She was just tremendous. And it's interesting because sketch comedy is really different than any other kind of storytelling because it's truth exaggerated. And in order for that exaggeration to be perfect, the truth of the character has to be so real and grounded. And, and this is what Carol can find um, that's, that's so remarkable in a performer, that she gets inside a character and they just consume her. She becomes that character in a way that is amazing and more often than not, hilarious. And yet, for example, she did a TV movie in the early 80s, I believe, Friendly Fire, mm -hmm. um, that was this remarkable social drama, not a comedy at all, and it was heartbreaking about this mother who discovers that her son had been shot by one of his um, fellow servicemen. So just being in her presence um, brought out the best in everyone. Uh, we're talking to Rick Hawkins. Rick's career in television includes more than three decades of success as producer, writer, studio executive, and international media consultant, including such shows as Major Dad, Sister Sister, Punky Brewster, the original two-hour pilot for The Love Boat, and, of course, The Carol Burnett Show, where his now iconic Went with the Wind sketch contains the longest sustained laugh in television history, while TV Guide ranked went with the win as among the 100 top TV episodes of all time. You can follow Rick Hawkins on Facebook and on Twitter. You're mentioning writing sketch comedy. To me, that's one of the hardest forms of writing because, as you said, you're creating characters, but you're exaggerating life. You're exaggerating reality, but you kind of somehow make sure that the characters are grounded in reality and... You know, while there are some long-form sketches like Went with the Wind that went 20, 30 minutes, in many cases, you're writing a story with characters that have to have a beginning, middle, and an end in maybe five or seven minutes. Right, right. It's like doing film shorts in a way. <laughs> um, something that might be interesting to you about the Went with the Wind sketch is that it almost never happened. The way it worked on The Carol Burnett Show is... Um, Individual writers um, would go to the head writer, Ed Simmons, who was also, it was like being in a master class for, for me on that show. Ed had come, Ed was um, 
previously partners with Norman Lear, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and he had done the Red Skelton show. And he was he was very instrumental in explaining to us what worked in the sketch, what didn't work. So all of the writers on staff, and there were about 14 of us, we would go in and pitch sketches to Ed, and he would either get green lighted or say, go back and rework it. And we would be working on the individual sketches. And then his job was to put together the show to take a physical sketch, a personal sketch, a takeoff, you know, to balance out the hour of comedy. And he was brilliant at this. Um, and so we pitched Gone with the Wind. And his first reaction was, this was a movie from 1939. It's been spoofed and made fun of from vaudeville to radio to, to the Sid Caesar show. There's nothing that you can come up with that hasn't been done before. And so um, my hook, um, was that, and now I'm going back, you know, this is like in, in the 70s before VCRs really were common. When a movie would come out, you would see it in the movie theater, and that was your only chance to see it, and it was gone. Mm -hmm. it, they were like this special thing. And so um, this year, it was 1977, I believe, was the first year that Gone with the Wind was going to be shown on television, and CBS was broadcasting it over two nights because mm -hmm. the itself was three hours long and you know you had commercials and they figured we can get a lot of commercials if we put it on two nights in a row. So the hook was, yeah, Gone with the Wind is great, but if you don't have the time to give up two days to watch it, we'll give you the movie in 20 minutes. <laughs> so that was our hook. It was like fast forward, Gone with the Wind. And so Ed, Ed said, okay, that's worth a shot. And so we did it. And we would know in advance who were scheduled to perform on The Burnett Show. And this was also one of the amazing um, joys of being on the show is that everybody wanted to do The Carol Burnett Show. Steve Martin, uh, movie stars, uh, The Jackson Five, mm -hmm. Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, you know, everybody wanted to be on the show. So the privilege of writing material for stars like that was amazing. So we had heard that Madeline Kahn wanted, was scheduled to guest on the show. And so I went, oh my God, Madeline would be the perfect Scarlett O'Hara, sort of play her as this wanton, forceful vixen out to get her man. Um, and Carol would be the sickeningly sweet simp Melanie. And that's the way we originally conceived the sketch and wrote it. And then um, when Madeline came on the show, she was saying to Carol, oh, I really wanted to do a family sketch, which, you know, that was Eunice and Mama mm -hmm. and Ed. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like 15 or 20 minutes long. So there was no way that we would do a family sketch and went with the wind in the same episode. And like I was saying, one of the outstanding things about Carol is that she was so generous to everyone on her show. And if Madeline wanted to do a family sketch, that's what Madeline was gonna do. And a really hilarious family sketch was written where she was the director of the Pepper Pot Playhouse. It was <laughs> hilarious. So Gone with the Wind was put on the side and um, we just thought it was not gonna happen. And then later on in that season, Dinah Shore was scheduled as a guest and we were trying to come up with ideas for Dinah, who's a wonderful singer, to be in a sketch. And we thought, well, what if Dinah plays Melanie and Carol plays Scarlett? 
And Carol was a little bit insecure about playing Scarlett, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. She was going, nobody is going to believe me as Scarlett O'Hara. It was her husband at the time, Joe Hamilton, who convinced her um, that she could do it. And once Carol commits to something, she throws herself into it 100%. And I'll pat myself on the back slightly and say it was a funny idea to have her dress look like the curtains in the window. And, and Bob Mackey executed this brilliantly, mm -hmm. just brilliantly. But that alone was not what made that moment. It was Carol's commitment. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and watch it, and you look, you watch her movements and her face, she was totally committed to, I am the most beautiful woman in the world. It was like an a model on the runway, descending the stairs in her mind as though she were the most beautiful person in the world. And that's what was funny. It was from the character. It was from inside her, this complete uh, delusion that she was gorgeous was what made that moment work. It, and, and oh my God, even when uh, uh, I've seen it in the past years or so, it still makes me laugh. What? Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. It goes back to what we said a little while ago about, you know, whether you're writing a long-form movie, a 30-minute show, or a sketch on the Carol Burnett show where it's exaggerated reality, it still comes down to character. And I dare say, Rick, uh, you guys would not have gotten the sustained laugh that you did had it not been for Carol's commitment. I mean, yeah, because, yes, the curtain rod, that's funny initially, but Carol... Performance. It was, it was just, and, and what's so funny is um, you watch Harvey's reaction mm -hmm. and she was, he was just blown away. He was just, he was like, oh my God, I could not, um, it, it took him a second to get back into character, which was really odd for Harvey because he was so committed. But her, her, that image that she created was so powerful. And, and, you know, I, I, I just, feel honored, truly, truly blessed and honored to have, for that period of time, been able to learn my craft from these geniuses in comedy. I mean, Jesus, it was like a master class. On the line with us is Rick Hawkins. Rick was one of the staff writers on The Carol Burnett Show during the last two years, The Carol Burnett Show on CBS. He's gone on to win an Emmy Award. He's uh, written and produced more than 600 different uh, shows in television, including the original pilot for The Love Boat. Today, Rick is a senior teaching artist and resident at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he teaches screenwriting to cinema students. And I understand, Rick, that besides just teaching students how to write a good script, you emphasize the importance of just what a collaborative medium film and television is and you just gave a couple of examples of that 
earlier in talking about went with the wind, where you may come up with the original idea on paper, but once it goes into production, the costume desire may have a suggestion that adds to the moment and ultimately comes down to what the performer, whether it's Carol or Harvey, does in the moment when they're filming the show. All of that adds to what makes a good sketch good or not so good. Right. It is a collaborative artistic effort. And any one of the collaborators not doing their best job can can make it not work. And everybody doing their best um, is that magic that creates these wonderful things. And, you know, it's like Vicki Lawrence, who I haven't, I haven't mentioned Vicki, um, who, you know, who studied under Carol and Harvey and, and just became um, this powerful comedian. When she would play Mama, you know, the old lady on the show, there was no make special makeup or anything like that. She put on a gray wig and glasses and just became became that old woman went on to do the series for seven years. Yes, exactly. Again, it comes down to character and it comes down to commitment, which is a word you used a little while ago. Sure. Well, and, and especially in sketch comedy, it's not so much about jokes as it is the character and relationship comedy, the reaction to what's happening from the characters. Rick Hawkins is with us via Skype. Rick uh, wrote for Mama's Family. He wrote for uh, the Cara Burnett Show, including the famous Went with the wind sketch uh, that we've been talking about on our program. I want to go back to the process of writing, particularly for the Cara Burnett show. Was it a situation like, say, Saturday Night Live, where, okay, you know who the guest is going to be, and then you write that week's show, you know, the week before it tapes, or do you do it a little more, a little further in advance? It's, it's a, on the Cara Burnett show, at least, it was a lot further in advance. You know, you would write all these sketches. And then um, there would be a collaboration with the head writer who would decide which sketch would be best for the guest star. And then putting together that particular episode, balancing out the types of comedy, the musical numbers. Because also remember, there was like a 30-piece orchestra every week Mm -hmm. on the Carol Burnett Show. Peter Matz, the the late and famous Peter Matz, was the conductor. It was a moment in time that even at the moment we all knew was something really, really special and appreciated it. So individual sketches would be written. And then on Monday, there would be a read through with the guest star and we would get notes back. um, And then all of the writers would come together in the writer's room and make suggestions for changes, whether it was your sketch or somebody else's sketches. From that point on, it was everyone's sketch. On Wednesdays, my favorite day, Um, would be the run-through, where the performers would do the sketches in a rehearsal hall. There would be very little sets or costumes, just merely the basic suggestions that were necessary to do a bit. It was like um, putting on a show in your backyard. It was like really, (laughs) you know, seeing seeing it come alive from your page for the first time. And that feeling is like nothing else. So we would do a Wednesday run-through, and the network executives would come and they would give notes and then we would do a rewrite on Wednesday evening. On Thursday they would get new pages and there would be the camera block for any special aspects of the show and and the musical numbers. And then on Friday they would shoot the show for a dress audience like at around five o'clock 
and then we would have the air audience at 7.30, I think. So there were two shows on Friday. We'll continue our conversation with Rick after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life. But it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive and unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. That's 800-488-5880. Got a product or service that you want our listeners to know about? Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash advertise or visit the TV Confidential page at advertisecast.com. This is not Davy Jones of the Monkey. And you're listening to TV Confidential with Ed Robertson. It's groovy, man. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Hi, everybody. How are you? This is Julie Budd, and you're listening to TV Confidential. 
Butera. You, you vixen, you. Stop it. I love you. That, that, that gown is gorgeous. Thank you. I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. At Robertson, I'll offer guest Rick Hawkins. Rick is a senior teaching artist and resident at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he teaches screenwriting to cinema students. Rick is also an Emmy Award-winning writer and producer with more than 600 credits in network television, including the original pilot for The Love Boat and Went with the Wind, the famous parody of Gone with the Wind that Rick wrote for The Carol Burnett Show. Rick Hawkins is with us today via Sky, courtesy of Chris Corman. You can follow Rick on Facebook and on Twitter. Before we went to break, Rick was walking us through a typical week of preparation on The Carol Burnett Show, culminating with the two tapings on Friday evening. As we pick up the conversation. So you would be present on the soundstage, uh, particularly during the walkthrough rehearsal stage on Wednesday and on the taping days on Friday, so in, in case changes needed to be made at the and last third, minute. And even on Thursdays, yeah. too, because sometimes when the camera blocked it, they would need a line to cross to an exit or they would find that a joke, something came up physically and they wanted to, to punch it up with a joke. So... Yes, we were involved in it. Even on Fridays, in between the dress show and the air show, there would be rewrites and and, uh, things to make the show better. That's really thinking on your feet. Well, that's TV. I mean, Carol Carol came from live television, and it was really, really important to her that this show be like a live TV show, even though it wasn't. Um, and And in a certain way, it really was, because... Today, if you go to a sitcom or a show, there'll be a stand-up or somebody to come out and warm up the audience, mm-hmm. you know, to get them going. That was Carol. She would come out in the beginning, and, and, and often before the show, they would show the question and answers where she mm-hmm. would talk to the audience. Well, that would generally go on for much longer than what you would see on television. And then, in between the sketches, often they would bring out a screen, and she would continue talking to the audience and making jokes and answering questions as she changed into her costume and then she would <laughs> duck down under the screen and come back up. You know, and sometimes she would say, I want to show you what Thelma Toddler looks like underneath her outfit. And she would have, you know, this funny underwear that Bob Mackie had designed for her with big droopy boobs and everything. She, she had total and utter respect for the audience and she included them in everything. And it made a difference in the show because in comedy, the, the audience is active with the show. It's proactive. You, you've got nothing without the audience's reaction. And, and Carol instinctively knew that. And so the shows on Friday were like nonstop. They would take the time to move the sets, very similar to um, Saturday Night Live, and jump right in and do the next sketch. We mentioned some of the other guest stars that you work with when you wrote for the show. One of the other famous sketches you did when you're on the Burnett show was a musical number that was a spoof of the Beach Party movies. And if I remember correctly, Steve Lawrence was the leading man on that week's show. Uh, well, let me, with great respect, correct you. It was Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. Okay. Steve Martin and Betty White were the guests on that show. And we did this Annette Funicello, Frankie Avalon spoof of those Beach Blanket movies. Um, and, and the, you know, I haven't mentioned Ken and Mitzi Welsh, who were the musical directors mm-hmm. of the show, and often weeks in a row 
would be creating original songs and music for the the numbers that uh, the sketches and musical numbers they would do at the end of the show. And they wrote spoofs of all of those 60s rock songs. In that particular sketch, Carol and Steve were on surfboards in this wonderfully, hilariously fake blue screen <laughs> singing to each other from surfboards. And, and also with Steve, we did a, a, a movie spoof of Close Encounters of the Third Kind in that episode, too, which was a lot of fun. That was Steve Martin at the height of the wild and crazy guy mania, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, so, yes. So you guys were lucky to have him. Oh, my God. We, we, it, this show was just a, a tremendous blessing for this kid from nowhere, me, um, <laughs> getting to work with the funniest, most talented people in show business. And it's a blessing to uh, spend some time talking to Rick Hawkins. Rick's career in television includes more than three decades of success as a writer, producer, studio executive, and international media consultant on such shows as Major Dad, Sister, Sister, Punky Brewster, and, of course, The Carol Burnett Show. You can follow Rick on Facebook and on Twitter. Before we leave the topic of Steve Lawrence... Because Steve Lawrence was a guy you worked with a lot on The Burnett Show. Our mutual friend Chris Corman described Steve Lawrence as like one of the utility players of The Burnett Show and that he could do everything. He absolutely could. He was an amazing singer, wonderfully funny, gifted with sketch, and would do anything. He, he would absolutely throw himself into, into anything. And, and he and his wife, Edie Gourmet, a, an amazing singer, um, they were, uh, you know, they became good friends with, with Carol and Joe. And it was wonderful because you could, you, Steve was almost like a member of the family. He did so many shows. The same with Ken Barrett. Mm -hmm. Also a wonderful song and dance man who um, was so gifted with sketch comedy. Yeah, we, we had an opportunity to talk to Ken a few months before he passed, Rick. And I mean, he spoke very fondly of the years he worked with Carol. A, a really remarkable and talented guy. And I had the good fortune of working with him also on Mama's Family. That's right. Uh, when that a half hour series and just, you wouldn't, you couldn't work with a, a more professional guy. We've, we've been talking about your work writing for 30 minute shows, such as Mama's Family, such as Major Dad, such as Punky Brewster. Is it harder to write for a 30 minute show versus maybe a 10 or 15 or 20 minute sketch or does it still come down to rick the basics coming up with good characters and good premises that uh, tell the story in the time you need to tell it in well well definitely a well-told story whether it's a feature film or a half-hour comedy or an hour drama or a six-minute sketch is based in conflict honest characters um, a beginning, middle, and end, a truthful story to which everybody can relate. Half-hour comedy is just a different formatting and a, and a different style. Um, I, I was, as it happened in my career, um, almost all of the shows that I did were in front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. And I know, particularly today, so many half-hour shows are done, are filmed, like a, a feature with, without an audience, and, and that is its own style of comedy. Half-hour comedies in front of a live audience are very similar um, in that regard to sketches in that 
you are playing comedy to someone who's there and it's designed for their reaction. And a half hour comedy film from a live audience, this may seem obvious when I say this, but I think it's really true. It's not unlike uh, writing for the theater, whether it's a musical for the theater or just a comedic play for the theater in that. Or a drama for the theater, yes. The, that the audience is a part of the performance. They are a vital and important part of the performance. And that dictates how you tell the story. Mm -hmm. And how you tell the story may change from night to night to week to week because if a gag isn't working within the first couple of performances, the audience is going to let you know that. And, and again, going back to thinking on your feet, you got to figure out a way to, to tweak the material so that you get the reaction you need. Right. Why is this not working? Why are they not laughing? What have I done wrong? Exactly. And also, conversely, if something is really working, you say to yourself, how can I mind this? Yeah. How can I make this even funnier? We mentioned at the beginning of our, our show that uh, you co-wrote Went for the Win with the writing partner. This is a question I like to ask comedy writers because I've never understood why. Uh, it seems when you write for drama, most dramas are written by one person, but almost Every comedy, at least in television, is written in tandem. There's usually a comedy partner. Why do you think comedy for television is usually is written in twos, Rick? Well, you're absolutely right in that there are lots of comedy writing teams in television. Part of it is you just what we were talking about. You pitch an idea, and if your partner laughs, you go, okay, we've got a shot at this. This works. You know, you've, you've got a built-in audience in that person that's next to you. And you bring two different perspectives. I worked for my first years in show business with an unbelievably talented female writer, uh, Liz Sage, who, I just say her name brings a smile to my face and makes me <laughs> laugh. She was just a genuinely funny person. She looked at life in a really funny way. And it's understandable why people work in teams because you get this sort of back and forth of, no, no, that's not funny, but this is funny, you know? And between the two of you, you've sort of tested it out with an audience before you actually put it on paper. And there's also someone to read it with. You know, we would always read everything back and mm -hmm. play all the characters. You know, in mentioning teams, another way that I was really lucky is that I worked on two shows with Bob Carroll Jr. and Madeline Davis Pugh. Mm -hmm. Madeline Pugh Davis, who were the creators of I Love Lucy, mm -hmm. Alice, so many successful. So they basically created the sitcom form mm -hmm. uh, based upon the radio show, My Favorite Husband, that they wrote for Lucille Ball before she did I Love Lucy. And their ability as a team, he was mercurial and, and so funny and elfin-like and mischievous, and she was always a lady, <laughs> you know, with Bob and Madeline. And yet they had this ability, their real skill was in understanding the strengths of a performer, really getting into understanding what makes them tick and what makes them funny, and creating an arena and a story and a character to to provide them with a jungle gym to swing on and play on. And I worked with them on um, a series that they were creating for Dorothy Loudon, mm -hmm. who had just 
come off her Tony from playing Mrs. Hannigan and Annie, a big Broadway stage actress. And I also worked on a series that they created for Sally Struthers um, after she left All in the Family. And it was, um, both of those series ran for 13 weeks, but they, they, they didn't go beyond that. But it wasn't due to any fallacy on Bob and Madeline's part, watching them. Oh, and they also did Flow, the spinoff mm -hmm. from Alice. Mm -hmm. um, watching how they worked and their appreciation for performers. And, and you know, I was saying, when you, when you work with a team, you read through the characters. When you work with Bob and Madeline, you literally read through everything. And they, you know, a true story they would tell is that they were asked to do anything physical that Madeline wouldn't try first in mm -hmm. the writer's room. Mm -hmm. So this was another really blessed part of my career is to, is to learn from the people who created sitcom what they were trying to accomplish with it and what they did accomplish with it. So I was super, super lucky in doing that. And fast forward to what you're doing today. You are teaching the next generation storytelling, screenwriting for film and for television. And forget the fact that you have three decades of experience and success and know-how and knowledge of your own, Rick, but you're like a bridge to the early days of the medium. So you're able to convey like three, four generations of knowledge and funny if you're working on a comedy script. You can convey three decades of funny to the next generation of writers today? Well, you know, one of the things you said, it, it's like for me, in a really um, much more diminished capacity, just based upon me, this is my way of, of paying back all that I learned from these super, super gifted, talented people. It's why I do, why I'm at the school and teaching is, is I try to, give to my students the things that I wish somebody had taught me when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> on a funny note, I teach a course in television history. And, and on the first day of class, I say to my students, this is like Thomas Jefferson teaching you the Constitution. <laughs> it's my life, you know. And it's a course I really do love teaching because I can, I relate the history of TV with the social environment in which the programs were playing because I think it's so important important to understand who the audience was and what was going on in their lives that made these shows popular. Rick Hawkins is on the line with us uh, via Skype. Rick is a senior teaching artist in resident at Point Park University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where, as we just mentioned, he teaches screenwriting to cinema students. You can follow Rick on Facebook and on Twitter. Now, before you started teaching at Point Park, uh, Rick, you had another very interesting job for Sony in which you adapted American shows to Russian television. How did you uh, come about doing that? Well, it's interesting. I remember I um, got a call from my agent who said, I have to make this phone call, so I'll make it brief. You don't want to go to Russia, do you? <laughs> and I said, wait a second. And, you know, it was like a perfect time in my life. Um, my kids were all out of the house and either married or in college. And 
I had time on my hands and the idea of going to live in another country. It was supposed to be for six weeks and it ended up being ended up being for three years. Wow. It was it just sounded like an adventure I couldn't pass up and I am so glad he offered it and and even more glad that I took it. The Sony had a wonderful business model in that um, before the fall of communism, there was one government-controlled network in Russian TV. And after the fall of communism, they, of course, had all of these privatized stations and networks and platforms and no programming. And so Sony's idea was to go over to Russia to, for us consultants to try to understand the culture, first of all, to teach them the Hollywood system of making half-hour comedies mm -hmm. or, or our dramas. Mm -hmm. We turned sugar factories into sound stages and basically it was like having little mini classes or learning on the job, teaching people how to work in the Hollywood system of making TV shows good and fast. Among the American shows that Rick adapted for Russian television audiences were Married with Children and I Dream of Jeannie. We'll ask Rick how he went about doing that when we continue our conversation with Rick Hawkins after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Are payday loans ruining your life? Do you want control over your money again? If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, listen closely. You may be eligible for a program payday loan companies don't want you to know about. A program that may help get aggressive in unfair payday loan companies out of your bank account and get you back on track to financial freedom. Payday loan companies may trap you into paying outrageously high interest rates, and they take way too much of your hard-earned money every week. We understand their tactics and know how to keep them off your back. We'll fight hard to help you regain control of your money. If you have two or more payday loan cash advances, call right now for a free consultation. 800-488-5880. 800-488-5880. That's 800-488-5880. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Hi, this is Harpo Marx, and you're listening to TV Confidential. You never knew I sounded like this, did you? We're Biffle and Schuster. How do you do? We turned up here to spread some cheer and entertain you. That's right, we're Biffle and Schuster. I'm Benny Biffle and this is Sammy Schuster. And we're here to tell you about this amazing DVD, not BVD, DVD that just came out from a company called Kino Lorber. And you know what Kino Lorber means, don't you, Sammy? I sure do. It means sales. <laughs> Lots of sales. This collection is called The Misadventures of... Biffle this? and Schuster. That's right. Mm -hmm. Those guys it's terrific. Good. Yeah, you know what uh, Joe Dante says about them? What did he say? He says, forehead slapping funny. What impresses is the dogged authenticity to the era, which makes it all the more hilarious. Absolutely. Accent on the high. 
We're Biffle and Schuster, as you can see. No one else can make that statement louder than we. They say we're soporific and it's probably we. We're Biffle and Schuster, oh, we're Biffle and Schuster. No, no, we're Biffle and Schuster. B-I-F-F-L, Biffle, S-H-W-O-O-S-T-E, Schuster. Biffle and Schuster, need we say more? Available wherever DVDs are sold through our friends at Kino Lorber. All right, you loafers, get back to work. What am I paying you for? Why is he yelling at his shoes? You can listen to this show all over again as a podcast on TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms best of all it's free to find out how to subscribe to the tv confidential podcast go to the home page at televisionconfidential.com and click subscribe now be part of our conversation if you like what you hear have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of tv confidential we'd love to hear from you you can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.